0: Hey, this is your name, your
1: name, your name, your name. And, uh, they say it ain't easy. Green. Gang green the gen- have their man. Jets got themselves a
0: great Robert Sala. Robert Sala. Talk about all gas, no break, to great one. We're not talking about effort on the field. We're talking about the process at which we do things.
1: I'm not gonna lie to you. Hurry up!
0: Hurry up! Hurry up! Keep your foot on the pedal. There's no way I'm not gonna have enthusiasm on the sideline. Hey, own this run! Own this run! The New York Jets we beat anybody in the world, and I think we're gonna win
1: next Sunday. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Bowen, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined, as always, by the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas, my colleague and co-host, none other than Michael Lagaris, everyone.
0: What's up, Jeff fans? How are you?
1: Coming in, Mike, on the heels of another tough one. Been a lot of these this year. Stinker for Zach. Another first half disaster on our hands there in London, Mike. I really felt coming off last week, some of that momentum we built. Seemed like we might have found something there on offense. Seemed like we're moving in the right direction. We beat the Titans, Falcons stink. Thought we are going to take a big time dub, an easy dub, I felt. Falcons defense has nothing for us is what I thought. Their offense has been able to put up points, but they're missing their top weapon. Just double-team pitch is what I thought not how it turned out michael not how it turned out once again we scored no points in the first quarter mike we've been outscored 30 to nothing in the first quarter this year okay we've been outscored 75 to 13 in the first half this year so i know what the scoreline looked like it was 27 20 at the end didn't feel like that to me mike i know they could have made a stop there at the end could even had a chance to tie the game i understand all those things but I don't ever felt like they were in this game. Zach, to me, had his worst game of the year. I know he threw a ton of picks uh, when he he played the Pats, but to my eyeballs, he looked horrible. A good portion of this game. These passes were bouncing. These passes were getting short hopped. These little passes to the sideline, touch passes, Mike, nowhere to be found. Balls are sailing into the sideline on deep routes. This, to me, looked like the game where he appeared like a rookie. And I understand he hasn't played well this year. His stats are at the bottom of the league. All these other games, he's throwing all these picks, Mike. But this game, to me, Michael, there's a lot to talk about. But when it comes to just one Zach Wilson, you and I were messaging after this game ended. I was a little disturbed after this one, especially coming off the previous success versus the Titans. This one had me shaking my head with the way that he played for Sherman.
0: Bar was pretty low this season. We really just wanted to see competitive football. And you would think with a bar like that, losing by a touchdown would be enough for us to say hey they played pretty good walk away with your head up but my head was not up my head was down my head was down for many reasons major takeaways from this game one like you said zach wilson um i don't know what's going on to start games it's kind of like we have a reciprocal situation from with Adam Gase when Adam Gase was the coach for some reason we were just scoring on all of our opening drives and then couldn't do anything else it's kind of opposite now I mean if you look we only have one first down in the first half you know the entire you know season so far one and that was against the Panthers I don't understand um if this is You know, and these plays are the ones that they're scripting. These are the ones that they're going over together and coming out and saying, okay, we're scouting. This is the type of defense they're using. These are the plays we're going to, here's that. You know, you should be able to execute. And the fact that it's just three and out and three and out and three and out, that it's very, very troubling to start these games. And you're not really giving the Jets a, a, a position. To win that that's one thing right and that's something that salah is going to look at over over the break and we'll take but the other part is you know looking at the court the why we as jet fans are down is because the quarterback definitely regressed um was this his worst game i can say that it was probably his worst game just from the eye test because against the patriots he threw those interceptions early but at the end he was able to move the ball better in the, at the end. But this game, some of the throws that he was making or not making, you know, we had some drops. But, you know, that screen pass to Crowder, that's a touchdown if you hit it. That changes the entire game. The the t- the pass to Coleman where he threw it off the back of, of, of our tackle. I mean, they were pl- – I mean, these are – easy plays now the one thing that you and i can take away and say you know what is this fixable definitely (laughs) i mean these are layups kid it's like Mm. you're able to hit three pointers falling out of bounds like but you can't hit free throws and it's like really you can't hit free throws but you can hit three pointers from like half damn near half court like you know what i'm saying like he can make these crazy sick insane throws come on stop but you're but your normal you know hitches your normal you know easy accurate throws that you would make right off the cuff i mean even that against the titans you know in that in that fourth quarter if he just hits that out route to davis game's over the game's over they're not going to get the ball we just sit on the ball and that's it but he missed it you can't miss throws like that and um I really hope that after the bye to see a lot of improvement on the boring plays. I think that's the narrative that we see from our boy, uh, Zach Wilson. He he has talent. He's able to make crazy plays, but he's not doing the necessary fundamental things as a quarterback. And that this game, the Jets should have beat the Falcons. They should have, I, I in my opinion. The other, another one other uh, aspect that I did not like um again was some of the play calling, you know, and and, it, and also against the uh the front office, the fact that we don't have any tight ends at all. I mean, the Falcons were sitting back there in cover two, right? And tight ends, you know, you can use to eat up the middle of the field. We don't have any tight ends. You have a young quarterback, a tight end is, you know, like how is it that that wasn't addressed, right? You know, so, and then the last thing I'll say is where is the veteran presence on this team? We have a rookie quarterback, a rookie head coach, a rookie play caller, a rookie quarterback's coach, right? Where, like, who is the voice saying, yo, son, it's all good. Like, this happened back in the day and we did this. They're all, there's nobody. They're all neophytes. If you really want to take so so, there's a failure. I think from a management perspective on how they constructed all of this, there is a a talent deficiency as far as an from an execution perspective. The quarterback is not doing what the quarterback needs to do, and then there is the preparation. Uh, from a gamesman uh, play-calling strategy, and that that all of that really needs to change. You know, if I'm Salah in this bye week, go get another weapon. And then to top it off, there's one. I'm sorry, and I'm just thinking as I'm going, utilizing the weapons that you have. Do you know that Denzel Mims actually is a has done better than Elijah Moore on just far less throws <laughs> this season? I mean why is Elijah Moore not being used in the slot? Why are, you know, we have these weapons on offense that we're not using like Denzel Mims. Why do you have Michael Carter, you know, barreling in as a three down back when you can use a more of a maybe Tevin Coleman or even Josh Adams, whatever, to to push the, the, the front? Like, I don't understand, you know, what the you know what what this coaching staff is doing from a talent perspective how they're utilizing it and it's it's uh across the board a failure it's sad for Jeff fans we can't sit back and just enjoy success if we had won this week we would have been happy for the next we would have been happy for three weeks straight and we get happy once like the cowboys game and then it's crap and it's like you know so it is what it is Yeah, Mike, and you covered a lot there. You made a lot of good points.
1: I think most of these games we enter into, we are at a deficit when it comes to talent on the field. So we need to be able to execute. You know, we can't be missing easy throws. We can't be getting bad penalties. We can't be giving up dumb plays. I know all those things I just said go for every team in the league. But when you're where the Jets are, when it comes to the talent we're putting on the field at this point, um, you need to be really good in those areas to get wins. They were able to do that the second half for the Titans. They were able to get away with one. They did not do that execution-wise when it comes to, when it came to this game this week. Now, LaFleur, Mike, um, I just, we've been giving them some time here. We're five games in. But the Jets look on offense like they are just a badly coached football team. We look, and the numbers don't lie. I just, I mentioned it's 30 to nothing in the first quarter, 75 to 13 in the first half. Mike mentioned this to you guys, the beginning of football games, almost every one of these teams is scripting their plays for the first couple of drives. You're running plays you know are the most effective against that other team's defense. The beginning of the game is the only time you really have the ability to do that because it's 0-0. If it's 14-0, you can't script, right? Um, So at the beginning of the game, to have such a lack of success, why it is so astonishing is because on the flip side, you mentioned this, Mike, are you looking at Adam Gates? He had success at the beginning of the games because of what I just mentioned. At the beginning of the games, you you know what you're doing, you know what you're attacking, you kind of know how that first drive is going to go, at least you practice it during the week. And if things go according to plan you stick to the plan you don't have to go too far outside the box the quarterback understands what's happening etc 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 try to explore try to exploit the other team's weaknesses right away if you can Gates was able somehow to have some success doing that the rest of the game made no adjustments he was completely clueless the flip side is going on here with the jets where we can get nothing done in the first half zach wilson in the first half this week 5 for 13 with an interception bouncing balls all over the place the falcons had 17 first downs in the first half okay michael 17 first downs they had 20 to 3 at halftime and the offense was just looking you know as putrid as possible and you mentioned michael carter another touchdown this week but another game where he had 10 carries for 38 yards on the season 47 carries for a buck 65. mike that is not that's bottom of the barrel production in the nfl jet fans are getting Lulled in by the fact that he's getting a touchdown here or a first down here, he is not an every down back. I was worried about that before the season started. Worried about his size before the season started. He makes some tough runs here and there. Don't get me wrong, but forty-seven carries for a buck sixty-five—that's not an elite running back. That's not even an average running back. Two, that is two, a very below-average running back.
0: That, that is. But here. also, if we look deeper, the past the run block grades are in the tank. Um, we, George Fant and Morgan Moses are doing an excellent job from a pass blocking perspective, but from a run blocking perspective, their their PFF grades are bottom of the league. So we're not really helping the running backs either. And
1: when Mike says bottom of the league, there's 60 guys ranked right now in that run block win rate. Fant's 56th out of 60. Moses is 52nd out of 60. I'm not saying the offensive line's helping Mike, but if you don't have an offensive line holding down those initial blocks, a running back who's five foot eight and a buck ninety-five exactly. is not gonna get anything done. Yep. So I mean it's a combination of these things. It's they, both. You're right. The offensive line is not playing great when it comes to the run game at all. Especially the two guys we just mentioned. Um but he's also just doesn't seem dynamic to me in any way, shape, or form. Carter, People can keep throwing him flowers, keep acting like he's a great running back. I don't think he is. I, I think he's well below average. And you mentioned Mims and you mentioned our boy Elijah Moore. Two targets for more last week, basically non existent. And Mims only plays eight plays, still has 33 yards somehow. So Mike's, Mike's been saying this all year Mims, Mims barely plays and somehow manages every game to at least make one play. When he's Son, the it's game. crazy. He's only, played, he's only played two games this year. And both games, you see a play in the game where you're <laughs> like, wow, that guy, if you didn't know anything, if you didn't know the players, if you didn't know who was on the field, and you just looked at it from above for a hot second. You'd say, wow, that guy looks really good, number 11. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. What What do we know, Mike? <laughs> we're just spitballing here. and I don't feel even like know what to say. As many yo, as possible, but.
0: you said last year, I remember you were like, yo, this kid's good. Like, you, you saw him just for a few plays. You were like, yo, son, that's that's what's up. And you can, son, this is not rocket science. The kid can play. He can. I don't, I understand maybe he can't run all these millions of routes. Ra- oh, this is it's like it's like uh you know this you you, i I can't use it i'm not thinking of a good example but you got something that's really good at doing one thing and you want to use a tool for multiple things but it's only good for one thing so just take the damn thing and use it for what it's good for stop stop you know and uh you know so also i wanted to say that i heard or saw a lot of negatives towards the defense this game. Now, I was listening to the Can't Wait podcast. Uh, Connor Hughes gave a good point on this. You know, the Jets' defense was was on the field for almost 100 plays against the Titans, okay? Because the offense is not helping them in the beginning of the games, right? And then they literally have a crazy game like that. They... Get on a plane, travel all the way over to London, right? And then you know, got to get, got to get up, do change whatever you know they got to do. Being across the pond, and then you put on, put them a game on Sunday, and start the game off, and they're just three and out, three and out, three and out on offense, and the defense is just playing. Eventually, they're just gonna break down, man. I mean, I'm not trying to give excuses or anything, but look, a defense. You know when they are out there every single time because, and I think the Jets only had the ball for eleven minutes in the first half. If I'm wrong on that, I apologize, but I think that was the number. They only had the ball for eleven minutes on offense in the first half. Just think I know, about Mike, that. that
1: makes sense because they only had the ball four minutes in the first quarter. The Falcons had the ball for eleven minutes of the first quarter.
0: Just think about that. They're t- they're tired, and and so yes, the the defense. Could we wanted them to step up and stop them? But for them to play at their optimum level, we need the offense to at least make a couple of first downs, at least crunch some numbers there. And so, you know, I think, in my opinion, the defense has been far better than I ever expected it to be far better. Quincy Williams, like we talked about before, he has just been so awesome that's that uh play to start off the game where they called a roughing the passer was absolute bs it put the it really set the tone for the rest of the game it pissed me off so much one of the worst that is the example of
1: a 2021 roughing the passer where he started to hit the quarterback while he was still passing the ball dude that wasn't a late hit he didn't lead with his helmet he didn't make contact with ryan's helmet they're just saying, oh, well, he drove him into the ground afterward because gravity exists. And if one man hits another at that level of speed, what is he supposed to do, Michael? Hover above the ground. Like I was, I lost my mind when that happened. It just felt like that's the type of call that makes me feel this way. This day is going to go a certain type of way.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. what it
1: made me feel inside. And yeah. I know what you're saying about the defense as a whole. I don't think this weekend is the weekend, though, to point to them and say they played well. I understand they were on the field a lot and the previous week could lend into that. I understand that, but no sacks this week. And on the season, even though the corners statistically have played well, not this game. Paul got burned this game plenty of times. Eccles got burned this game plenty of times, but before this week they played well, Mike. But still no interceptions. They were able to get some fumbles back this week. They took the ball away from the other team that way, but you can't really count on fumbles. Those are, those are kind of things that are kind of on um, luck of the draw, but interceptions you can work towards to try to get. We have no interceptions this year. So I just felt like on defense this week, didn't really pressure Ryan at all. Just picked us apart over the middle of the field the entire day. Didn't really have anybody making plays in the secondary either. Wasn't that difficult a game for him. I mean, we made it really easy for a veteran quarterback. I know <clears throat> I was mentioning last week he's not sacked a lot. But it's not like the, the Falcons have some great offensive line. I mean, we should have been able with just Pitts basically as the main weapon going in. We should have been able to come up with something I feel on defense to make it more difficult for them. We didn't do that. And when you see defensive ends two times, being the guy covering a receiver in the end zone on touchdowns, that's just, that's just coaching. That's yeah. coaching, Michael. Jonathan Franklin Myers should not be in the end zone covering anybody. And I'm just, and I know that's how it shakes out sometimes. Don't get me wrong. But the Falcons identified that and exploited it. And I just don't feel like they put themselves, the coaches, I don't feel like they put the the Jets in a place to win. This is a horribly coach game. Yeah. Zach's numbers, he's 19 for 32. One more in there. We throw into the mix Michaels, 63.5 QB rating. And when you run down the stats compared to the rest of the NFL right now, our boy Zach Wilson's 27th in passing yards, Mike. He's 29th in average per uh, per reception. He is last in the league at 57.3 completion percentage. He leads the league in interceptions. He's the second most sacked quarterback in the league. And he has the lowest QB rating in the NFL. You cannot possibly be doing worse. There's no mathematical way for him to be doing worse than he's doing right now. And we're five games in, and he had one good game, and the offensive line didn't play great some games, and receivers have dropped balls other games. And there's plenty of reasons that Zach hasn't succeeded that are the Jets' fault. I get that. But at some point, this kid is going to have to make accurate three-yard passes or we're going to lose. you got to make screen passes. you got to make dump-offs. You have to make – it seems like he can't pass the ball over the middle. The balls are behind guys. They're above guys. And we're going to need to see this kid improve dramatically soon, Mike? Or this is going to be a long – season. This is going to be a long season because my boy right now is right at the bottom of the league and everything. Now, if you look at the other quarterbacks, Mike, that are very low in completion percentage or not doing well when it comes to completion percentage, you see Justin Fields, you see Trevor Lawrence, you see some of these other rookies also struggling. Just because we had to hear this garbage for three weeks when the season started about the Panthers. Has anyone checked Sam Darnold's stats the last two weeks? Everybody tweeting at Mike, Everyone messaging me about Darnold. Every one of you morons that said, oh, Sam Darnold, look what he's doing in in Carolina. And me and Mike said, just wait. (laughs) Just wait. How about we just go ahead and wait this one out? Let's see how this shakes out. Do you know who has the second most turnovers in the NFL? Combined fumbles, interceptions in the league, everybody? It's Sam Darnold. So anytime you want to tweet at us, go ahead. (laughs) Anytime you want to take that foot out of your mouth, go ahead because... Sam Darnold's a bag of trash. Now he's showing that in (laughs) Carolina. Go read some of the headlines of some of those blogs down in Carolina. I mean, this is not not the Sam Darnold podcast, but we have to point out the fact, Mike, that he has six turnovers in the past two weeks. Okay. And it happens to coincide with the fact that the Panthers played two actual football teams the past two weeks. Not the Jets, not the Texans, not the Jaguars. They played the Eagles. They played the Cowboys, two teams with decent defenses. And he looked like a bag of trash. Complete sidebar, but I'm done with that. I don't want to hear him. I don't care how bad Zach Wilson's playing right now. I don't care. Sam is in his, in his 40s when it comes to game started. He still stinks. Zach Wilson started five games. We're going to ride with the young guy. We're going to see what the deal is. We're going to give him some time. He's going to have this whole year to ball out. But Mike, I just want to say this real quick because you pointed out to me. I don't want to hear about Sam Darnold anymore. Yeah. Stop it. Everybody just stop it. He's garbage. We knew it was garbage it's why we traded him. He's showing you now in Carolina that he's garbage with non McCaffrey.
0: So, I um I'm definitely good with trading Sam. Obviously, we already knew what was going to happen there and it's coming it's it's something we already knew. Looking at the other rookie quarterbacks, Lawrence has a a 59% completion percentage, 1146 yards, 6.5 yards per attempt, six touchdowns, eight interceptions, two rushing touchdowns. So he's completing about the same as Wilson is. He's thrown as almost as many yards, same YPA, and he's thrown uh, two more touchdowns and one less interception, Lawrence, and he hasn't won a game fields is completing 50 percent of his passes essentially 6.4 yards per attempt one touchdown two interceptions yeah way less he's got only two starts or whatever but i mean there's nothing really there that's blowing you away jones as much as everyone wants to talk about jones his completion percentage is decent 67 percent um and he's completed 12 uh uh, 1,243 yards but he's also at 60.5, 6.5 60.5, 6.5 yards per attempt. Same as Zach Wilson. He's thrown for one more touchdown than Zach five instead of four. And he has five interceptions uh, four less than Wilson. So, You know, I look at Jones and, you know, what people are saying about him. And I mean, overall, holistically, is he's playing better than Wilson, but is he better than Wilson? I mean, okay. And then Lance is just too early to tell, but there was really nothing impressive around what Lance showed us. Now, I will say one David Mills did throw 300 yards and three touchdowns against the Patriots and almost beat them. But the week before that, he had a four interception game. Of all the rookies that we've seen, let me just be very frank with you. Zach Wilson has, looked ter- not, has not looked good in mostly all the quarters except two. One quarter, uh, which was the fourth quarter against the Panthers, and one quarter uh, and overtime against the Tennessee Titans. That is it. But let me just tell how, Jet fans how I feel about this. Those two quarters are better than anything any rookie has done this year. Period. Period. The the, what you saw the high from Zach when he was on I haven't seen Trevor Lawrence do that I haven't seen any of these quarterbacks do that and so again like Keith said we're gonna write it out we're gonna see what happens you know the rookies are playing like rookies you know everyone thinks everyone everyone thinks there's a Herbert and you know uh, uh um you know I think what's his name Sanchez really came out and hit it on the head about this whole rookie class, uh, when uh, Matt Ryan. And, and then when he came in and he did really well, and then all of a sudden then Stafford, they were like, okay, you do it. And then Sanchez took the jets to the, the, the uh, post season two times. He's like, that was it. Now the expectations were, when you're a rookie, you just step in there. And he's like, that's not how it should be. And, 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 Sanchez was real about it. He's like, you step into the NFL, this is a whole new ball game. There's concepts that you ha- can't even fathom. And you're trying to, even when you're a veteran, you're still trying to keep up, you know? So, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what what's going on with Zach. I wanted to ask you what, you know, because Jet fans look at us, you and I are seasoned Jet fans. You know, we have a lot of younger kids, a lot of younger Jet fans uh, who, you know, who've been following the team for maybe five, 10, you know, years. Me and you've been around for a while. Let's do a, a like a Zach thermometer uh, uh, check. So right now through five games, what you've seen, you know, uh, ten being extremely worried and that he's a bust. One being that, you know, you're he's good. He's going to be fine. Uh, at this point with Sam, with, uh, Sam I was probably uh, a. F- 4 to 5 uh we we had gone through a couple of games there was interceptions there he played against the bears he played against the colts there was a good game there were two good games there but i was like i was like 4 or 5 and i would say right now for me i would say Zach is probably 5 6 like like right there where, San, where darnell was but just a little bit higher just because i've only i with the highs have been really high Sam never looked like that but but the lows have been Sam didn't Sam was bad but he wasn't like missing play throws like this like not like this okay not like throwing interceptions at the rate he's throwing them now he did it in his last season with us but that first season he wasn't doing it like that so that's where I'm at where are you well I think that's a good question. If 10 is the highest
1: level of concern and worry that you can have in this hypothetical, I'm going to put my worry at more around a seven, Mike. I don't want to startle Jeff Benjamin, like anything like that, but what I was banking on here with Zach was his coming into the league, Michael, and we can count on him to right off the bat, be accurate. And I thought that was going to be his strength. I thought accuracy, making those routine throws, was going to be his strength, and then he'll grow in to some of these more difficult throws, those sideline throws and you got to put it into a window, etc., adjusting to the new speed of the NFL. What I've seen is him miss a ton of routine passes, make some great ones as well, like you said. Some of these throws to Davis have been ridiculous. Some of the throws in the Panther game were great. Some of these throws, even when you look, and it sounds crazy, but even the Bronco game, I know he stunk, didn't play as bad as maybe the numbers say, even though we didn't score any points, guys, or dropping balls. Um, the arm talent is there, but I think when Sam started off that first year, I know he threw an interception, and pick six, his first pass, and then played great the rest of that game. And I think the end of his rookie season, he heated up also. He got kind of cold in the middle. Um, I was probably feeling more positive about him five or six games in than I am about the way Zach's played, just because of, I think if I'm going to be real, I think my expectations for Zach were a lot higher than they were for Sam. I'm going to be honest, yeah. Mike. Yeah. I think uh, when Sam got drafted, I was hoping we'd get Baker. We ended up getting Sam. Wasn't a big fan of him in college. Didn't think he was going to be a great professional quarterback. And he wasn't. When it comes to Zach Wilson, I had no problem drafting him. And Lawrence goes to the Jaguars, fine. No problem getting Wilson. In my mind, football IQ, accurate as can be. The type of throws he was missing last week. The type of throw he didn't get out to Griffin in that Titan game, Mike. Those are the throws in my mind. This kid's just going to make automatic with the arm talent, right? And those are the throws he's missing right now. Now, the the turnovers obviously are concerning. The low completion percentage is concerning, low QB rating. But these are all just numbers. You know, these are all just numbers right now at this point. He's just a rookie. So it's hard to judge him just based off these numbers because they're so horrific. But I would say I'm around a seven, Mike, because I thought we were going to be able to transfer some of that really, really good improvisational play he made plays he made in that Titan game into this game and it seemed like nothing transferred. I don't know what happened. Missing throws all over the place and when it comes to the receivers this week Michael, another disappearing act here for Corey Davis another big time drop he had. What's the beginning of the game? But another drop he had. Four for 45 for him. Two for 38 for Cole. Two catches for 33 yards for Mims. Not too much to speak of when it comes to the passing game. Like we said when it comes to the defense, no sacks this week Our boy Zach was sacked twice, though, on on the flip side. And total yards, we finished with 230 yards on the day, Michael. That is just atrocious. We gave up 450 yards to the Falcons. so two bad teams came into this game. And one of them looked like a bad team that for this week at least was prepared. The other one did not. And that was us. And even though we took the ball away a couple times, Michael, it was just a disappointing week, disappointing game. Um, Bryce Hall eight gave up eight catches for 89 yards when he was the closest defender so you can't put that all on him some of those might be zoned but i don't think he had a really good game secondary didn't have a good game so got a few weeks off here mike to chill it out right get in the lab look at the data look at the plays look at all the mistakes all the interceptions all right take away the ones that popped up a guy's hand mike that weren't his fault and then need to get in there and be like look this is what you're doing right this is what you're doing wrong these are the things that we have been successful at, which is not many things. But if we want to right the ship on this season, they're going to have to come out of the gate after this bye and win a couple games. I mean, there's really no way around it. Patriot game's a winnable game. I know the Bengals are. Patriots better this aren't year, that good.
0: Patriots that's aren't what I'm that saying. good. The
1: Patriots, the Bengals are playing better. They're a much improved team. They're a much better team than us right now. Yeah. But are we worried about the Bengals? We've had their number Bur- for 20 Bur- years.
0: Burrow, Burrow is not impressive to me. I mean, he's had some again flashes and he looked good but he's also making jabroni plays as well i mean i you never you've never
1: been a big burrow fan no i think that they have weapons on offense they have a decent they have a decent running back probably a decent probably a better defense phenomenal realize but the, the coming into metlife stadium i don't think anyone's going to be on halloween at least concerned that the Bengals are going to smoke us but we thought we'd whoop the falcons mike that's one of the worst teams in the league and we just lost so um i don't think there's any game now that i'm thinking about it I'm gonna roll into the rest of the year, feeling confident. We're just gonna smash. Don't feel like that's gonna be a thing the rest of this year. So there's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to the squad, to Zach Wilson, to how we're gonna, you know, how the rest of this year is gonna shake out. But there's no uncertainty, Michael, when it comes to this week's jabroni of the week. A B G. Jabroni's jabroni's jabroni jabroni of the week. You keep using this word jabroni, and it's
0: awesome.
1: All right, so this week, Mike, Jabroni of the Week, obviously, is another NFL coach coming off the heels of Urban Meyer, an slime ball of a human being. Another coach has ascended, ascended to the top of the ladder this week, Michael, for the Jabroni of the Week award. His name is One John Groot, and Check I think it. he gets the Jabroni of the Week for many obvious reasons. I'm going to let you speak on this, Michael. Um, this started with an investigation into the Washington Redskins, Um, workplace misconduct investigation going on. There's some pictures of cheerleaders that were slipped out to different people. Apparently, John Gruden's one of those people, allegedly, from the reports that we read, Michael. Um, But in that report, I should say, in that investigation that's been ongoing, 150,000 emails have been combed through. And I do feel like more information is going to come out about different people, not named John Gruden, Daniel Snyder, this piece of garbage, Bruce Allen, who was the team president, maybe he still is for the Redskins, I don't even know. But let's stick to John Gruden for a second here, Michael, because some information came out of him 10 years ago insulting the head of the NFLPA, Demore Smith. He made a comment that's a pretty blatantly racist comment. Um, people who want to believe that it wasn't, that he was referring to something else, knock yourself out. That's the world you want to live in. I feel sorry for you. But Mike, when you, run through, when you run through the list of things he said, now, I think that even in the times we live now maybe just one comment an off-color stupid comment you make from 10 years ago maybe if it was just the demora smith thing there's a chance mike i don't know if you agree there's a chance he could escape there's a chance he apologizes. he apologizes the way the one comment and he's okay however that's not how it shook out is he? they start calling me through the emails and apparently He has a problem with Roger Goodell. Referred to him with a homophobic phrase that we all know. Starts with an F. Not going to repeat it here on the show. Also called him a clueless, anti-football, you know what? Which I also won't say because Christian values here. I'm like, we're PG. I don't say these words. I'm not John Green. I'm not going to spit these things out. But also used homophobic terms to describe owners, coaches, reporters. It wasn't just Roger Goodell, right? If you look deeper into this, people. Apparently using homophobic terms, Off the cuff is something that John Gruden does very often. Bruce Allen, team president of the Washington Redskins, shared photos with one John Gruden of cheerleaders with just bikini bottoms on. I mean, this just gets better and better here. Guys, apparently he had a problem with female referees. Okay, and there was an email chain. He was in with the owner of Hooters, which obviously we know Hooters, Michael, is at the forefront of the women's rights movement, right? I mean, obviously Hooters is right up there. They respect women amazingly. He's in a somehow an email chain with this guy and one Bruce Allen, where they insult the female refs. And John Bruden says, right on, man. I have no idea what the NFL is doing. I mean, just, just to check every box when it comes to the ignorant moron checklist, he went ahead and um, condemned the name change of the Washington Redskins, Michael. Apparently he even had a problem with the Redskins changing their name. I mean, he's he's covering all his face out had a problem with Caitlyn Jenner, had a problem with Obama, had a problem with Biden, which is which is definitely his right. Michael, you also had a problem with former owner of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Actually, the team he used to coach, uh, Brian Glazer, is the owner of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. John Gruden coached them for a while. He said that Brian Glazer can suck my, and I'm not going to say that word either. Yeah. Um, so, Mike, when you go through this and you see somebody who apparently, and I don't know John Gruden personally, but I do know from my own history in life, people that will so flippantly and so easily use homophobic terms to describe others, right? They're saying a lot about themselves and what they think about those people. Okay, I, might, I don't know John Gruden, but I know the light. I know i know the world we live in. Everybody, you Everyone else can play stupid if you want, knock yourself out. People that speak like that so easily, this guy's an S, this guy's gay, this guy's this, this guy's that. People that throw that out as if it's an insult, when you're using it as an insult, you're you're letting people know what you think about gay people. That's what you're doing when you do that. When you say you're mad at the NFL for pressuring the Rams to let a queer into the league. Michael Sam, Mike, who was all SEC defensive player of the year, he was an All-American. Not like he doesn't have credentials to be drafted. Just happened to be a gay guy, got drafted and just like the way the world works wasn't good enough to play in the NFL. So he didn't. That's the way the NFL works. It's the ultimate meritocracy. If you can play football, doesn't matter if you're gay. doesn't matter if you're not. That's all that matters if you can play football. That's it. So John Gruden, my, Mike, goes through all these things. And I thought to myself, too, when it comes to all these homophobic things, um, Carl Nassib is on his team right now. The first openly gay football player to play in the NFL. Plays on the Raiders right now. That was his coach. Must make him feel great. Smokes clearing from all this, Michael. That was my rant. That's the brony of the week. I don't think this was a hard one this week. What do you got to say about the mess that has occurred with John Gruden?
0: I think one word really sums it up best. And that's sad. Um, John Gruden is a, is someone who was on his way to the hall of fame, not just for his coaching uh, history, but also, you know, what he did up in the broadcast booth, his personality, everything he was. And, you know, when we step back you know one day one thing that is unescapable is death we're all going to die one day and you know when we're at the end and we look back and say what did we do while we were alive what what actually did we do right were we selfish did we do things only for ourselves or did we do things to make the world a better place for others did we treat people right did we respect people and listen to people and actually leave this world in a better place than before we came um and people like John Gruden maybe they don't understand how much impact they have on people not just on how they're treating them but how much people look up to them and see them so when you have someone like John Gruden who is been so successful in everything that he does and have thoughts and have views like this what do you think that does to those who look at him with high regard what do you think that does to his children to his nephews to their friends and their the others who look at him as like a hero it it doesn't really shape the world in a way that is selfless right it shapes it differently and again i i think that yes you can say oh this was locker room talk it was 10 years ago um you saw the track record you can obviously see how he feels and people who feel this way are not making the world a better place they're making a world the the world that they want for themselves which is in the end, not gonna lead to a better place for the rest of us. And it's unfortunate today, it's sad, that a lot of people look inside for direction. They always are looking inside and are scared and are uh, uh, mad at other people or at other things, instead of taking a larger perspective and a larger view of, of us and when you have an an, an us type of perspective a we type of perspective a love perspective um that really helps you know our world to be greater because the world is meant to be shared in my opinion happiness is meant to be shared we're supposed to be together we're supposed to enjoy one another that's why we love football and sports and things we get together and we scream and have a great time together right so together we should be not one but together and that's my rant i hear you man i hear that definitely i mean if everyone
1: just took a page out of mike's book the world would be a much better place because mike is one of the best people in the world but let me say this michael there is i have a space in my brain to hear someone complain about how john gruden it seems like he was singled out by the nfl i get that it does seem like that happens okay and other people, I'm assuming, in these 650,000 emails said some dumb shit too. I'm pretty sure Daniel Snyder probably yeah. has something in there in that web of nonsense and debauchery and negativity and horribleness that is the former Washington Redskins football team. Um, I do think more is going to come out about other people. But when we're just sticking to Gruden, maybe it isn't fair for people to see your thoughts in your private emails. I get that also. I get someone feeling like that's not right. However, if in your private emails and if in your private time, you're a racist, well, but I'm throwing it out there hypothetically, Michael. Say you're a racist person or you're homophobic or you're misogynistic and you disrespect people that don't look like you or aren't the same race as you or aren't the same gender as you. If that's how you feel when you go around life like that and you're as successful as John Gruden already was by 2011, that means you are a miserable person. That's what that means to Keith. In 2011, he's on Monday Night Football. Had already made a fortune. He has the life, but he's mad about all these things and people that hide inside that ignorance, right? Which is which is what this is to me. You know, the, all the the like I said, the the casual um, homophobic comments, which might not bother some people, do bother other people. They should bother everybody. These type of things should bother everybody. People shouldn't pick and choose the things that outrage them when we're one nation and we try doing our best to be united, you know, Um, I think that's what Mike's trying to get at too. And it just seems like cancel culture is a thing in the past year and a half, two years that in a lot of negative ways has a storm can build and someone can be put out to pasture for something they did 20 years ago when the culture was different, when times were different, when people's sensibilities were different. Mike, I don't think this is one of those cases. Right. No matter what people want to say, no matter what people want to bring up. If all of this came out in 2011, these emails, oh. he'd be fired then too. I mean, he would have spot. to resign then too. There's no and I know 2021 is a different time, but if what he said in 10 years ago came out 10 years ago, he'd still be in the same situation right now because the NFL has an image to uphold and he just can't get over this. You can he tried to sidestep, which some people believed with the Michelin lips comment he made about Demore Smith and say, I'm just, I just was saying something about rubber lips and, you know, people that talk at both sides of the mouth makes no sense because if you look at what he said, had nothing to do with what his explanation was. But if you do want to buy that nonsense, Michael, there's so many more things he said after that that the NFL just can't recover from. You can't have a coach saying these things and be coaching your team on the sideline, be representing a billion-dollar franchise, um, and be one of the faces of the league, which John Rudin you know, like it or not, was, Before he resigned. So he's the jabroni of the week. And, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers said it best, man. Like, people can think whatever they want. And, Mike, you know how you and I are. I respect everybody's opinion. You want to rock politically, whatever anyone thinks. You can stay in a confine of respecting one another and think whatever you want as long as you respect each other. Me and Mike have argued about a million things, always respectfully, because I respect him a lot. He respects me a lot. When you stay within the confines of respect, you can communicate really well with people, even if you don't agree with what they're saying. If you're someone who thinks the NFL shouldn't let someone in because they're queer or wants to call people, you know, uh, homophobic terms or slander women or throw out things like he said, that's not somebody like Michael said that's looking to unite people. That's not what he's trying to do. That's someone who has his thoughts already laid out and he doesn't care what other people think. He's not trying to include people. He's trying to keep things the way that they are. Mm-hmm. And as a country, the way that we've been going, we've already proven ourselves that that's not going to work, you <laughs> know? The past uh, four or five years, it's not going to work, man. We got to figure out how to work together instead of working apart.
0: Inwards is never going to lead to anything, but war is going to lead to hate. It's going to be to sadness. Look, just do what you say you're going to do and treat people the way you wish to be treated. Simple as that. And if you're someone that is listening to what we're saying and you're like, well, screw those guys, whatever, blah, 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 then... I'm sorry for you, and I'll pray for you, honestly. Yeah, I'm, I'm I don't know what else too, to say. Like, it is, it is what it is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like, it comes to that point where it's like, if you are out for you, then so be it. You know, um, I, I, Fine, I, I, I hope uh, I hope the best for you, honestly. God and bless I,
1: everyone. And everyone has their God-given American right to be ignorant as F if they want to be. But if you're listening to the show and you are homophobic, then turn it off. Because I got no time for you. And I got no time for John Gruden or anyone thinking that way or wants to slander women, or just go about their business like this. I'm not like that. Mike's not like that. I don't have friends like that. I don't have family like that. I don't spend time with people like that. So John Gruden can take a walk. He's the jabroni of the week. And we don't have a game next week. Guys, we got a bye week. We all get to chill. No game review coming up. Mike got to do an awesome game review last week. We were so hyped. It was so well done, Michael. You did a tremendous job on that. Don't get one this week because we took an L. No game coming up. We get to chill out relax recharge our batteries get ready for the pats next week we'll see what the story is we might have a show we might not guys the week after that we'll definitely be here for that pats game that's all we got for you this week michael if anyone wants to get at us support us or be involved in the ain't easy being green world in any way shape or form how could they do that
0: well you can reach us on facebook at aebg.jetsradio on twitter at aebg underscore nyj podcast and on instagram at jet.aebg
1: you heard the man on behalf of the biggest jet fan in the state of Texas Michael Lagaris my name is Keith Farrell get at you next week everybody peace out